What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Sana Vending, and I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about leadership development. Today, I have Heather Polifka. She's the CEO of Heather P Solutions, which focuses on driving business performance through employee performance. Before launching Heather P Solution, Heather led the first global marketing division at United Health Group, a Fortune 6 organization. So Heather, welcome today. I've been looking forward so much to our chat today. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it too. And so I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. So let's learn a little bit more about you, you know, so what, what's your passion around leadership development? And, and also let's touch, you know, what's, what's the meaning around leadership development? Yeah. Um, you know, I love the, the idea of like, what's, what's your why, right? And my yeah. why is that everyone, um, no one ha- should have to survive work for a paycheck. And everyone deserves to thrive at work. Yeah. So that's what drives me. Um, you know, as part of my consulting service, we services we also you know do culture, employee engagement, but all of those efforts. And and this is what I saw. You can come up with a a strategy, an engagement strategy, and you can have great conversations with the executive team about the culture. Yeah. But if it doesn't make it to the front lines, which most often it does not. Yeah sort of just nice pieces of paper you generated or nice words on a website. And the trick to getting it to the front lines is the managers. And as I worked with managers time and time again, I saw like only 30% of them get any training and support. We have so many fields like, you know, technology and finance and architecture and engineering where we've, we've prioritized technical skills over people skills. Yeah. And those are the industries being hit the worst right now with the the great resignation or reshuffling Yeah, because, you know, what's called for right now are leaders with strong people skills. And so that's really what got me into leadership development and, and realizing that we have lots of leadership development in the marketplace for the top 20% of the organization. And in fact, 80% of budgets go to the top 20% of the organization, oh. but they don't touch the, the, the vast quantity of employees in a company, the yeah. first and second line managers do. And so that's, that's really where my heart and where my passion is. Plus those are the CEOs and the vice presidents and the directors for, you know, 10, 15 years from now. So let's give them the building blocks and develop them as people-centric leaders right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, no, that, that, that's really good, right? Because you need to look into to the, to the future. But what about the different departments and you have silos, right? You can have operation, you can have finance or, or you can have HR and marketing and R&D. How do you, how do you get them together so you have a more, culture that's that's bringing them together? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And one of the things that I see so often is brand work. So companies are going to come up with a new brand 
And they don't necessarily have the head of operations in those brand meetings. They don't have the head of HR in those brand meetings. And that's a problem because a lot of times when we're developing brands, we part of that process is mission and values, which are so instrumental and critical to culture. Yeah. And if you don't have um, those perspectives in the room to say, as we're coming up with, you know, really great brand, is that authentic? Yeah. Can we actually deliver upon that? Is that how we're recognizing and rewarding employees? Yeah. Are we leading in that manner? Um, all those questions that uh, HR and operations could authentically answer. Yeah. Um, and so that's uh, that's where I'll start with. That's where the silos start is not having those perspectives in the room to de- to define that. And then the next step to that is great. So we have values and we have a one or two sentence, you know, description of them. Yeah. The the step that most companies miss is they do not then define the values in terms of behaviors. Ah. And so you end up with one leader who says, yeah, I'm living our value of innovation. And they think innovation is like a, a, a competitive competition to the death kind of um, format. And they breed competition on their team. Yeah. Versus another leader says, well, innovation, and I'm going to bring in people from with other perspectives and ideas, and, and we're going to collaborate to come up with, with what that innovation is. Both leaders could say that they are leading the value of innovation, and both would be correct if that company has not defined for them what innovation looks like and sounds like and feels like. Yeah. And that's how you end up with teams like, oh, I want to be on that leader's team, but I don't want to be on that leader's team. Yeah. Or you have these disconnects between operations and finance and marketing and HR yeah. because the behavior work isn't done. So when we think about breaking down silos, it starts at the very sort of, you know, uh, genesis of it with the brand and then defining values in terms of behaviors. And then leaders holding, starting with holding themselves and their peers accountable oh, yeah. to lead inside of those behaviors. And if you start doing that, then it starts to shake it all down and you don't have as big of silos between functions within a company. Yeah. It sounds easy. It's not easy. <laughs> no, it, I, I love this. There's a saying, it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's this. I mean, it's simple to say, get the leaders in a room and define it in terms yeah. of the values. But I will tell you from my consulting work, that is really hard to do. Yeah. And sometimes I find that I really have to um, say like, no, we can't proceed with this work unless we have all those perspectives, because yeah. I know it won't pay off and be as effective as it could be. And then that's my credibility on the line for, for making the difference within, within a company. But it, it's not easy. And particularly as you maybe change leaders around or you hire new leaders, yeah, um, that's when inconsistency can start to, can start to creep in. Um, you always want people who will add to your culture and your values. You don't want to just, you know, prototype, but at the same time, you also need, while everyone can have their own expression yeah. of innovation, it still has to either look and feel the same in terms of it's collaborative or look and feel the same in terms of it's a competitive exercise. Yeah. But then there's always opportunity for nuance within that. Yeah. What about the, the fear? 
Because again, right, if you go in and saying, you know, this is new behavior or we're going to foster the behavior. So this is the way we're going to, to have this culture and how we interact with each other. Um, what, what about the fear in the organization? of Because you're shaking it up a little bit. Um, yeah. how, do you, how do you handle that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's actually one that I think is, um, it's always relevant because we're human beings and um, fear can be a, um, can be quite the driver of our behavior a lot of times. But I think particularly now, that's what we're seeing with a a number of leadership teams, meaning that um, there's a way that they've generated success. And for the most part, that's how they got to their positions. And that worked up until 2019. Yeah. Now we've like shifted the world. The the power is lying more with talent um, than it is with companies. And it's demanding a different kind of leadership. Yeah. And so a lot of people who've generated decades of success leading in a certain way that no longer is as relevant or as effective. Um, it are needing to change their yeah. leadership style. And that is particularly scary when you think like, wait, I got to this elevated position because I, I pulled this bar and I pushed that <laughs> one. And now we're saying, well, try the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of, um, a lot of resistance. Um, there are companies who are leaping forward and embracing a more people-centric leadership style because they realize that is the way to retain yeah. and engage talent. Yeah. And then there's a number of companies and you'll see, you, you, we've seen this and we're going to see this in this year who really just ultimately want to turn the clock back to 2019 oh, and that yeah. is not going to go well for them. No. Yeah. So, um, and really we can't handle other people's fear for them. So it has to be that exercise of reflecting and looking and it's only as human beings, generally, the cost has to become greater than the fear for our willingness to, to make change. Yeah. And that is what it's going to take for some people when, you know, they see talent walking out the door over and over and over again. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, I'm failing because I can't keep my people yeah. or I'm failing because I'm forcing them all to do something uh, like return to an office full time because I want to turn the clock back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only when they have that moment of realizing like I'm failing because of this will that for some people uh, initiate their willingness to embrace a more people centric leadership style. Yeah. Now there's also a lot of, leaders who are right in the middle, like maybe they're not leaping forward uh, and, and they have some fear, but they're like, okay, I'm willing to try this on, but I don't really know how. Yeah. I have a, a great so- story of a chief technology officer Yeah, and uh, with my manager development program, Awesome People Leaders, one of the first things that we talk about is brain science. And because we lead humans and humans have brains and our brains drive a lot of our behavior, especially when we're talking about the threat response or that fear versus our productivity zone versus the reward response in our brain, which is where we do collaboration and innovation and problem solving and all those great things. So I shared this module that we have with this chief technology officer. And then afterwards, this was actually with a small group. 
And afterwards he came up to me and he said, you know, Heather, I've, I've seen and done a lot of these leadership things. <laughs> and I have always been like, why do I need to thank people for doing their jobs? They get a paycheck, don't they? He goes, this is actually the first time you explain the science behind it. Yeah. Of, oh, as a leader, if I want problem solving and innovation and collaboration to happen, I have to make sure I'm helping people and supporting them to get out of the threat response and the productivity zone and shift them into the zone in their brain where they can do that kind of work. And he goes, so suddenly it makes sense to me that there's science behind it. It's not just like a, you know, squishy, nicey thing to do. It's, you know, squishy, nicey are not the words we generally use to describe no. technology <laughs> functions, right? But all of a sudden when there was science behind it, he yeah. got it. He's like, oh, my job as a leader is to make sure yeah. their brain's over here. Yeah. And then they deliver. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the positive feedback, right? That makes the team go in the right direction. Exactly. In fact, uh, it's, it's recognition, it's positive feedback yeah. and positive feedback in a four to one ratio of redirecting feedback. And it's funny because I, I had a leader who's like, Heather, if all I'm doing is focusing on people doing something right to give them positive reinforcing feedback, well, then won't things go to, you know, heck. Yeah. And I said, oh, listen, the way our brains are wired, think about it. If someone says they're going to call you and they're always like count honorable to call you and they don't call, does your mind ever go to, Hey, maybe they won the lottery. Maybe they won. Like maybe they caught a plane someplace exotic. No, your brain always goes to the worst case scenario. Right. I go, so you don't have to worry about it. Your brain is wired to keep you safe. Yeah. And your brain is always going to catch things that are going to be a risk or going to be failure or going to be a problem. You don't have to worry about that. That's why it's so much better to be intentional with your brain, to try to catch people doing something right, yeah. to give that positive reinforcing feedback. And trust me, the negative or redirecting will take care of itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good, I like your stories here. Um, <laughs> No, it's it's really good. It it always makes it more real, right? And, and when you when you hear, you know, this this is actually what happening you know, or, or the feedback you, you're getting. Um, and and I think when you have examples, other people can put themselves in that situation and saying, oh, that's how it is. And then it's it's much better to 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 connect. Yeah. Um. But but there's still, you know, even though you're saying positive feedback, you you still sometimes have to guide the team. Yeah. And tell them, maybe you're, you're not angry at them or you're not saying this is not acceptable, but you need to word it right to, to change the behaviors. Yeah. So how, what kind of, of, of development do you, do you recommend here? Yeah, well, this is, and we do a module on feedback um, yeah. within the Awesome People Leaders, and it's so critical. The thing that's interesting to me is most people don't even know that there's two kinds of feedback. They don't know that there's the positive reinforcing feedback because they're only aware of the negative feedback. Yeah. And that can be for a couple of reasons. It could be that their leaders didn't know that there was such a thing as positive reinforcing feedback. It can also be how our brains are wired to tune into the negative. Yeah. Um, but that's why that four to one ratio is so important because when you tell someone, when you did this, it was, it worked, it worked really well and it was highly effective. How you prepared for that meeting really yeah. had you show up as a subject matter expert um, the way you handled this situation, you know, left that person feeling whole and it was great. 
uh, the next time you prepare for this meeting, why don't you try researching this, this one thing? I think that'll have the outcome be more productive for you. Yeah. Then you go back to all of a sudden that redirecting feedback is not a threat. Yeah. Because you've established that you're in their corner. Yeah. And it's also the key thing with feedback is one, they have to experience and trust that you're in their corner. Yeah. And that's the other role that that positive reinforcing feedback plays. Um, So intent is so critical, but also that the feedback is given in a way that tells them how it will positively impact the outcome they want. Yeah. So if they want to be perceived as an expert, the next time they present to an executive team, that's when you say, if I think if you did this one thing, like maybe if you try to mock, let's next time, let's do a mock practice. Yeah. And I think that'll have you feel more confident. So you show up as a subject matter expert. I know you are when we meet with the executives. Yeah. That's like, I'm in your corner. Yeah. Here's the action to take. And here's how it will impact the impact, the outcome you want. Yeah. Yeah. And we all know, right? Practice will make you better. So, yes. uh, yeah. Yes. But it's like that core, those are core ingredients to feedback yeah. are well, are what is critical and important. It has to be actionable. Yeah. It has to be timely. It has to be specific. And you got to share how it's going to impact the outcome. Yeah. So I think this is a really core, right, of, of developing your, your leadership um, mm-hmm. skills. What, what's another one that's really important? Um, the other one is I would say recognition is really uh-huh. important. And again, because it's triggering that reward response in the brain, but particularly when a lot of us are leading hybrid or remote teams, what happens is employees can feel a bit isolated at home and like their manager doesn't have full visibility to everything on their plate and what they're working on. And that's why recognition is really important. And one of the tips that I have is that when, let's say you and I were having a status and we're doing it via Zoom, right? Because- we're working virtually. One of the questions that you can start off the status with is saying, what is it you would like to be acknowledged for? So first of all, you're starting off a meeting on like a great, great step, right? Because it's like, oh, let me think about how I rocked it today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And it's the opportunity for the employee to express those things that they may not think that their leader is aware of that they're working on or that they did a good job on. And so starting with self-recognition, because then that also sets up the leader to say, that was exceptional. I noticed that, or I didn't know you did that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. It's the leader up to then follow that self-recognition with manager to employee recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So if, if managers did nothing else, but incorporate that practice, I promise employees would feel twice as recognized. Yeah as they do today. So that's the other powerful tool because it has people feel seen and feel known and feel heard. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we want as humans? Yeah. We all wanted you to do great. Right. Yeah. No, I I really like it because that also shows asking that question. um, It just shows what that person or employee, you know, what, what, what they're proud of, right. Uh, And where their passion is. Um, good and bad, right? Because you could have a tough project and you're like, oh, right. But still it is saying, saying, you know, this is what I'm proud of because we, we went from A to B. Um, yeah. And it is, it's back to that problem solving uh, yeah. of, of being good of, of, of being good of that. So, 
Yeah. Oh, that's 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 really good. Um, I want to jump into a little bit because you have a lot of marketing experience that I mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how um, you know how is marketing? Because sometimes marketing can be like out of its own little silo, right? And people are like, oh, why do we have them? No. Um, let's let's bring them back in here. So yeah. how do how do you break down the silos, or how do you connect the marketing team with the rest of the organization? Yeah, and I I think it as I mentioned earlier, part of it is starting with in the very development of the brand, you need to have the other parts of the organization involved. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. And and I've spoken to a couple of marketing groups about this. The reality is marketing cannot be effective if HR and operations can't fulfill on the grand promises being made in our brands. Um, you can, there's so many internal quote unquote campaigns that fall flat and there's always the talk in marketing of the employee ambassador and the potential ROI of that, but that's never going to happen if the brand is not the lived experience of the employee, or if the employee is not actually recognized, rewarded, and empowered to deliver on those brand promises. Part of it is helping marketing realize like you can't be successful without those two. Like your brand experience is never going to happen. Not really. Unless those two, um, those two perspectives are at the table so that you're all kind of swimming to get in concert or rowing in concert, I, I yeah. guess better than swimming, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the first part. And I'll say to marketers, do you know what the employee sentiment is of your brand? Cause they'll know what the consumer sentiment is of their brand or the market yeah. sentiment, but do they know what the employee sentiment is? And then do they know our employees, do the employees experience the brand? Yeah. I'll ask the marketing team, do you know what your employee engagement scores are and where there's weakness in your brand experience and their lived work experience? And most of the time, marketers can't answer that question. And I go, that's why you don't have yeah. employee ambassadors who are advocating for your brands. On the flip side, I also challenge the HR leaders that they cannot be successful without marketing. Okay. Um, and part of that is, is that HR will measure a lot of things, but I question sometimes employee engagement if they're not doing it inside of the brand promises, because the brand promises sort of define the company and what the company's promising out to um, the broader world. And if yeah. we're not asking employees, like, is that your lived experience? There's a disconnect there. And so then HR may not be taking actions on the things that are most relevant as compared to the brand experience and the brand promises. Yeah. And then there's been this great focus, which I love in HR on employee experience. The problem is it's usually not connected to customer experience work and it's the employees who deliver on the customer experience. So again, I say to HR, this employee experience work yeah. In order for you to prove the ROI and the impact of it, you need to connect it to the customer experience, to um, uh, customer retention, customer satisfaction, you know, tie it all the way through. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that, that I've seen HR functions struggle with is to create that connection. And then the last part is there's a lot about HR that is marketing. I mean, <laughs> there is, there is communicating with employees and in sent and getting them to take action yeah. that is marketing yeah. and there, there are skills there that the marketing team has that really should be leveraged internally there are so many examples where companies are much more effective at attracting 
engaging and retaining their customers than they are their employees. Yeah. And, I, and it's because they're not sharing the skill set there. Yeah. And in fact, that's one of the things about the Awesome People Leader program is I took all of these HR best practices and all the things that we wish all of our line leaders knew and understood. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's rich, rich content and knowledge to be shared there. Yeah. But the difference is we package it up, we simplify it, and we make it easy for managers to then take action on it. It's not an HR white paper. It's a marketing collateral piece that says, now here's how you go act on it. Yeah. And by simply doing that, it makes it so much more digestible and impactful. And now those are some of the things that, you know, HR leaders aren't, aren't trained. They don't build those muscles in. So yeah. they need marketing to bring that expertise to improve the effectiveness of the exceptional knowledge, skills, and excellence that does exist within HR. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense, right? And again, it's a one team, right? It's never just one person. I think it's all, you have to look at it, it's one team and yeah. you need to make, you know, the bridge between the, um, the different departments makes you even stronger. Yeah. What, what about the, because um, the world is changing, right? Now we're going up to two years where we have, you know, it's, it's a new way of working. I think it's never going back. That's not happening. It is a new yeah. way um, of, of how everything is. Um, how, wh what have you seen right now with, you know, with, with your clients or within your network, what, what has been changing, um, because we are remote, um, and it, is it the whole, you know, what do you offer? Right. Because it is tough right now to hire, uh, new team members in, and it, it's just, it's tough. Right. And the, the expectation of what they're looking for or what they want, or also, also on the other side, what is the employer looking for? Right. So what's the challenge right now? What, what do you see in your crystal? <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing that I see right now is I do see employers slow to embrace how things have changed already. Yeah. And um, if these same companies were so slow to embrace what was happening on the consumer side, you know, the, the leadership would be looked at like, you know, you're not on it, you know, yeah. you need to be You know, and so it's super interesting to me to, to watch leaders and companies expect to be so responsive to consumers and customers and not bring that same responsiveness to what's changed in the talent market. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing is I see a slow to change and ways that that shows up is, um, Uh, one thing that I, I just did a couple weeks ago is look at job postings. Yeah. Job postings today are no different than they were two, three, four or five years ago. And they're really, it's like going on a first date and someone just talks about themselves and this is what I want and this is yeah. what I need and me, 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 me. No one would go on another date with that person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like you sit by your, by the, the the table in the corner. No, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, What am I here for? You don't need yeah. me. No. And job hostings have been that way forever. Yeah. And even in this market, where so many companies are like, it's so hard to find people. Look at their job hostings, and they are that first date person talking about themselves and what they want and what they I need. love this. Yeah. And there is nothing in there for, hmm, this is why you might want to date me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can make you a better leader. I can make you, this is an interesting feel, right? We are exactly. this kind of company. Yeah. 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 And then the 
second thing is I think part of why that hasn't changed is I don't think a lot of companies or leaders actually know what makes them distinctive as a place to work. And I, the, I see leaders posting on LinkedIn going, hey, join us. We have a great team, great culture. Mm-hmm. And I use in, I know we're on podcasts and so we can't see me do the little finger quotes around great, but yeah. um, you know, what does that mean? Show me, don't tell yeah. me. Yeah. And I think they struggle one, because they haven't defined those values in terms of behaviors, Yeah. but two, they also haven't paused and said, okay, we need to make sure we really understand our employees and our talent that we need to drive our business strategy. Yeah. And if we pause and do that, then we can understand what's really important to them and what they need. And then we can look at what we're offering yeah. to better fit that. And a company I'm in love with that has done this yeah. is Bumble, the women's dating app. Yeah. So they know who their target customer is, right? It's women. Yeah. And they know if we need women to help think like our customers and develop solutions. So you go to their website and look at their benefits because they have benefits nobody else has. Oh, wow. And they are so women-centric yeah. in their benefits. Now, by women-centric, everyone benefits from them. So it's family-centric. It's human-centric. Yeah. Uh, they are a company and they've come up with benefits I had never even seen or heard of any place else. And I promise you the way they did that is... <gasps> They talk to their employees. <laughs> listen, right? They talk and they to listen. listen. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, and people are going to go there and they're going to go, but I can't provide those same level of, of benefits. And that's okay. I talked to a CEO of a manufacturing company, 200 employees. Okay. So this isn't some big plant or anything. Yeah. But I loved it because this CEO got curious. He's like, what? tends to really stress out our employees? What tends to drive absenteeism? What, what is that? Yeah. And it turned out they, they talked to their employees and they found it was unexpected financial things that came up because we're talking, you know, manufacturing employees Yeah. that that always tripped them up. Um, And then sometimes I would have to take on second jobs, which means that also created additional stress, fatigue, yeah. you know, absenteeism, like whole spiral, right? Yeah. Right. And so then they got further curious about what were some of those unexpected expenses? Well, some are medical, some were things like, um, unexpected expenses that came up because of medical yeah. and also, uh, unfortunately like divorce adoption, that sort of thing. So this CEO found a, um, a, a law firm and said, we're going to provide like, not for long drawn out things, but like arbitration for divorce, uh, for friendly divorce. And we're going to make that legal resource available to our 200 employees. And then also was a financial planner. They paid to have a financial planner to help them pay off debts and help them save for that house that they want, because that house builds equity. And the employees were ecstatic. Yeah. And so he solved a business problem by solving a human problem. And I'm going to tell you, like for that manufacturing firm of 200 people to have those two resources available was not something that like 
killed the bottom line of the, no. you know, no. No. <laughs> when you get curious about what it is, what is it that's important to your employees? What gets in their way? Yeah. What would support them? That's really, that is how you can define yourself in a differentiated manner in this marketplace. And then you have something to talk about yeah. in your job postings, in your interviews, yeah. And then your employees become those advocates for you because let's not forget employee referrals really critical yeah. in terms of attracting talent. Yeah. And so if doing that gives you so much more to work with. Yeah. And that's that's one of the the things I want to see more companies do is to really define their work experience based upon what's important to their employees yeah. and what they value. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need the ping pong table anymore, right? No. That's not the, <laughs> to be, yeah. no, and in, fact, in a lot of environments, yeah. they would be like, why'd you spend that money on that ping pong table? Because that financial planner would be a lot more helpful to me. Yeah. 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 So it has changed. Yeah. No, I, I, I really like your example here. That, that just gives so much more. And it also gives you, it's, it's, it's a win-win, I think as well, because the example you have, the employees that will have used these services, right? will actually talk positive about it. And it's all about in the, the world we're in, it's, it's your network as well. You're checking out if they, if you're looking for a new job, you are checking with your network if anybody knows this company. Yes. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's a really nice way. Um, one thing yeah. I want to add to this thing too, that cannot be overlooked because we can bring people in, but how are you going to keep them? Yeah. And, um, 75% of people leave a job because they're manager. Yeah. And the number one impact on the engagement engagement level of an employee is their relationship with their manager. Yeah. But the other thing that companies need to do is they have to invest in people-centered leadership development. And yeah. I'm not talking the top 20% of the company. I'm talking about the people who touch the most people in your organization. Yeah. Because if you have good, good people leaders who know how to grow and develop talent, develop a high performing team, they develop the kind of teams people want to be a part of. Yeah. And that creates a stickiness that, um, that goes a long way and it goes a lot further than compensation does in a lot oh, yeah. of companies. Yeah. It's your second family. Come on. It is. It yeah. is. And yet I see yeah. a lot of companies spending money hand over fist on attracting and they're not spending anywhere near as much on retaining and um, their manager development. Yeah. Um, so you have so much experience. So <laughs> if you have to look at yourself like 20 years ago, what kind of you know, advice would you give yourself now, like reflecting back and forward here? Yeah. Um, a couple of things. So, you know, I, I was really a marketer by trade and I, um, because I had a, a challenging work experience, I followed a boss uh, who I adored and to work. I loved. I thought I was going to love and I, in the work itself, I did, but I followed them to a company that I didn't do my research on. Yeah, I own that, but it was a, it was a toxic environment. Yeah. And had I not had that experience, I wouldn't have been open to taking my marketing expertise and applying it in, um, in the area of talent. Yeah. And I love that I have this functional line leader experience, but now I have the benefit of the richness of knowledge that exists within, within human resources. So a couple of things I would tell myself is I've, 
I've always sort of followed my, my, sorry, my career path is not a straight line. Like then I was this, that I was that it's taken a couple <laughs> zigs and zags Yeah, and it's gotten me to the exact place I am. And I'm so grateful for that. So I would validate myself 20 years ago to say, go ahead, follow those zigs and zags. Those are okay. Yeah. And then when I have those moments where the zig was not so fun, but that zig got me to where I am today, which I yeah. have benefit of knowing now it's this idea of it will, it'll all work out. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. This serves a purpose. And then last but not least, um, I've been lucky enough to have acquired this great experience leading teams and these knowledge leading, leading teams, but I didn't have that at the start. And there's a lot of lessons I learned along the way, like most leaders do through trial and error. Yeah. And there's sometimes I mess some things up early on. And the one thing is I wish I would have had the benefit of that knowledge so that, um, you know, I maybe would have messed things up a little bit less in my earlier days of leading people. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and I had to have those learnings too, to understand what people are grappling with today. Yeah. So it all serves a purpose. Yeah. Um, but I would say, go ahead, zigzag, even when it's not okay, it's going to be okay. And, um, and know that you're learning the lessons you need to know. Definitely. Definitely. And it's, it, it does so much in the learnings, even though if it's a little cloudy day, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it yeah. will be bright again. But uh, no, that's, that's a really good advice. So yeah. um, if anybody, you know, listening, right, they want to reach out to you, how, how can they find you? How can they actually connect to you? Yeah, well, um, Heather P. Solutions is my company from a consulting perspective. Uh, so HeatherPSolutions.com. You've heard me mention my manager development program, um, Awesome People Leaders. And that I can't believe the URL was available, but it was. <laughs> good for you. I would love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn too. Um, I'm on there very regularly and, um, and let's start a conversation. I, I just, I love talking with people and learning what they're dealing with, hearing their perspectives, uh, cause it all fuels the work. So I would love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn too. Awesome. And I, I'll make sure, you know, the links, what you mentioned, I'll put that in the show notes and I will also put it on the, the website, themindinnovation.com. So check it out right there. So, Heather, thank you so much. This was just great. I, I think, you know, a lot of the questions you're saying, what you should ask your team, it's just I'm reflecting on it. So I'm, I, that's something I'm bringing back to my team. Wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me today. If you enjoy this podcast, maybe you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure also to check out our website, mindtheinnovation.com. And remember, stay curious and keep learning.